This is Life Can Be Scary Part 2. The last time, I Joyce wasn't able to be here. She had a sore throat, and we had talked over what, we, what I was going to be speaking on. So I had uh, Micah to tape it for me, and as I played it over, I made a mistake. I was talking about my wife and I and our experience on Peter's Mountain. And I said it was 30 miles across, and it was only 9 miles. It certainly felt like 30 to me. And I think that was the, when life gets scary, I was frightened more at that time than any time in my life. And my wife, who trusts the promises of God, she was having the time of her life. And uh, it's amazing. I sometimes... I think I'll do a series just on her, the, the, the faith and God's promises that she has. I'm going to share one with you, one more. And um, She always went with me when I was canvassing. She had prayer while I was doing the canvassing. I was doing work, literature work. And uh, she asked God, she said, now sometimes she had to stay home and take care of the laundry and uh, housework. And uh, she asked the Lord to let her know when I needed help. She would pray for me when she, when she was at home, and God did just that. I could tell you a few hours I could spend on what happened through the trust that she had. But this one time I came in, and, and she said, from work, and she said, uh, what happened about ten minutes after seven? I said, honey, I never seen anything like this in my life. I was given a canvas to, to this lady and her husband. Her husband had his head down. I don't know where he's sleeping or praying. I think he was probably about half asleep. He certainly didn't seem interested in what was being said. His wife was very interesting. And suddenly she said, can I have your book? And she gave one of the most beautiful canvases I've ever heard in my life to her husband. And... uh then he raised his head and said, do you take cash? And I said, yes, we take cash. But I come home. See, at that moment, Bert was impressed to drop on her knees and pray that I needed help. And I believe with all of my heart, the words that that lady spoke was the words of God right to her husband. But that's, that's what God can do when we truly trust him. And I can tell you amazing stories, one right after the other, how that when we really and truly trust God, what can happen. But today, let us, let us have a word of prayer. Thank you, Father, for your presence. I, I just pray that you would help us to reflect upon, upon your great love and your promises today. Thank you for loving us so much. Thank you for your presence here today. And we just thank you, Father, that my brother and uh, will be going in for a surgery this, uh, this coming week. We know that you'll keep your promise and be with him. I just sense and Sometimes, when, Lord, when I'm thinking about those that are going through surgery, I, I remember the picture of this artist has painted with his hand, Christ standing behind the surgeon, reaching over with his hands on his hands. 
that's the kind of God that we we have. And I believe in each and every case that was mentioned here is for, for prayer that there's very special to you, Father. Thank you for your promises and what you're going to do for each one. Last week, or not last week, last month when we close the when we close the message, Jesus was talking to his disciples. In fact, he was answering their questions that they had, and this was at the Last Supper. And this was some of the questions they had. Jesus, what do we do with our fears? And Jesus said, trust, trust. I think the second question that was in the mind of the disciples, that is understood when fear strikes. Question is, but Jesus, is there room for us in your plan? Do we fit into your plan? You seem to be preoccupied with other things. And we've heard the rumors in town, and we have seen the enemies closing the circle. And Lord, do we fit into your plan? Are you with us? In fact, Jesus said, I'm going to make room for you, and I'm going to put your name on the door. Those that study the human mind and the human experience, they found that the deepest fears that we know is the fear of abandonment. That is the deepest fear, they tell us, that one can experience. The fear of being left alone. The fear that others will walk away from us. The fear that we have... We have even as toddlers, the child looks at his, at his mother and he thinks it's time to create a little distance. So he toddles off, he starts to walk, but he looks back, yeah, there's mama. Then he runs back, he checks mama out, and uh, then he walks off again. But he's always got his eyes on mama, make sure that mama's there for him. But you know, like a child that goes out, he goes out to catch his bus, school bus, and he he's late. The bus is leaving. Don't leave me. Don't leave me. You know, that, that's one of our deepest fears that another human being will leave us, will forget us. No, there's no longer room for us in their plan. I've seen this happen so many over the years of my Christian experience. I remember a, a choir leader, he was going to have a new choir, and he asked those that would like to be a part of that to come and, and uh, join them, and then later he would cho- chose those that would be a part of the uh, the choir, and I remember this one lady. She thought she, she thought she could sing, but really she couldn't. And she was devastated when she found that that uh, she wasn't on the list. There's always something for everyone to do in church, but choir, uh, singing just wasn't her thing. Kind of reminds me of a of a 
Brother Darty. Brother Darty, he was 90 years young. Hey, I'll be that next year, but, uh, but he was, I'll be that this year. 90 years in December, I'll be. But, uh, Brother Darty, he's, he was louder than I am. Uh, I mean, he could, he would, I don't know what it sounded like. It was horrible. He couldn't say. But he's the loudest one. That's, I remember we had an uh, evangelistic meeting going. And uh, you could hear him above everyone else. The elder got up and he said, seems to me like someone's out of tune. And Brother Darty agreed with him. He said, amen. He thought everyone else was. <laughs> but the fear that we will not belong in the church... I remember a church elder. This is sad, but he, he had been a church elder for years, and he was elected, someone else was elected in his place. And uh, he, uh, he bring his wife to church, wouldn't even come in. He sat out in the car. He finally got over it. But fear that you'll be relegated from others is one of the deepest fears that there is. And that's one of the deepest pains of being forgotten, pushed aside, left out. It is one of the deepest human fears, we're told. Maybe that's why that over and over again, in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, God moved upon the authors in different ways, but always with the same message, always with the same message. I will never leave you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. You are not alone. You are not alone. And here on this seminal night, Jesus looks at his disciples. He says, I will not forget you. There is plenty of room in my father's house. Deep fears. What do we do with our fears? Jesus said, we trust Trust, is there room for us in your plan? Plenty of room. I think there is a third question that the disciples ask. It is a question for, for uh, reassurance. Now, we've heard what you just said. Now, don't be frustrated with us, but there is one more question. We must press on. Are you sure that you won't forget us? Are you sure that you will remember us? And Jesus said, I will not forget. I will come again and I will receive you to myself. Where I am, there you will be as well. It's a deep reassurance. A reassurance that says there's no twist or no turn may come upon us. No ups or downs may unfold. We will not be forgotten. We will not be forgotten. We will always be remembered. We will always be remembered. There's a name where the door can be opened. There's a light in the hallway. And our own will be there to welcome us. It happened in the presidency. My wife and I, we took studies in Columbia, Maryland. Columbia, Maryland is about 
halfway, but probably between between uh, Baltimore and Washington D.C. And uh, we spent some time in Washington. And I, of course, I really enjoyed the experience of meeting the leaders of our church at the General Conference and the E.G. White Estate. Then we visited the historical places in Washington, but the one that stands out in my mind was the Lincoln Memorial. I've always loved biology, especially the people that made a difference in this world, and Abraham Lincoln is one of my favorites. And while I was visiting there, not too far from there, was the Vietnam Memorial. And I remember I was thinking, you know, you you, you see a figure, a a number, uh, but when you see them all, all the names of those that was lost that give their life for our freedom. But you know what? That will be dwarfed by what Abraham Lincoln, the Civil War, brother against brother, father against son, friends looking down the opposite barrels, the opposite barrels of uh, their guns. And as the country was being ripped apart, was being ripped to shreds, that tall, angular man, that president that must have been profoundly lonely. I can't think of a more lonelier presidency than one's own country being ripped to shreds. It was a day and time that was different than today. Oh, they had their guards and military, but the presidency was much more accessible than it is today. And there was this young man, young man, maybe in his mid-twenties, maybe 30, and, and he came to Washington and knocked on the door. And he asked to be given an audience with the president. He said, I know him. I know him. He's my friend from back in, from back in, back in Springfield. Well, it's amazing. He said, I want to talk to the president. And almost incredibly, he got the audience. I want you to listen. What the author, Keith W. Jennison, he describes this story that Billy would later tell him. The story that Billy tells about Abraham Lincoln and them talking together, Jennison quotes Billy. He said, we talked and we talked. He asked me just about everything, everyone in Springfield. And I just let loose. I just let loose and I told him about the weddings and, and the, and the uh, births and the funerals and the buildings. I guess that there wasn't, wasn't a yarn that I had heard in three and a half years that I didn't spend for him. And he said, you ought to heard him laugh. He said, oh, you ought to heard him laugh. He laughed, and he said, it just did my heart good. It just did my heart good because I could see what they had done to him. I could see what they had done to him. 
he was always a thin man. But, but Lord, he was so, lost so much weight. He was even thinner now. He said it was enough to make me cry. Later this evening, that evening, Billy said goodbye to the president. The president tried to, to get him to stay the night. But Billy, not wanting to, to impose, he declined. And in pardon, Lincoln said to Billy, Billy, what did you come down here for? What did you come down here for? I came to see you, Mr. Lincoln. I came to see you, Mr. Lincoln. But you haven't asked me for anything, Billy. You haven't asked me for anything. What is it, Billy? Out with it. No, Mr. Lincoln. No, Mr. Lincoln. I I just wanted to see you. It felt kind of lonesome. It had been so long since I had seen you that I was afraid I would forget some of these yarns. And so I wanted to unload them before I forgot them. And Lincoln gazed into his friend's friend's eyes. He said, Billy, you mean to tell me that you came all the way from Springfield, Illinois, just to have a visit with me? And you have no complaints. You have no complaints up your pockets, no advice up your sleeves. That's about it, Billy said. Tears came to Lincoln's eyes and ran down his cheeks. I'm homesick, Billy. I'm homesick. Just plain homesick. And it seems that this war will never end. He said at the night, he said, I can see the soldiers being killed. I can hear their mothers crying for them back at home. But I can't help it, Billy. I can't help it. You will never know. You will never know just how much good you have done me. I'm looking forward. I believe that's one of the presidents. I couldn't vouch for the others, but that's one of the presidents I want to shake hands with when we get in that heavenly country. That, that president saved our country. He was a man that was chosen especially, I believe, by God for this special mission. Just to know, just to know that we're not forgotten. Jesus, will you forget us? He said, no. He said, no, never, never. Every time my reflection, every time my reflection is in the sea of glass, shows the, shows the scars, every time my heart beats in my spirit-ridden side, every time I see your prints in the palm of my hands, I will remember. I'll remember you. To the day that I come to sweep you into my embrace. Sometimes life gets scary, friends. Jesus, what do I do with my fears? He said, you trust. You trust. Jesus, is there room for us in your, in your plan? Plenty of room. Are you sure that you won't forget us? I will not forget you. I'll, I will come to receive you to myself. I think there is one more question left. 
There's just one one more question. And I'm sure the disciples had this had this question because I've had it. And it's when I think of the question, all the questions I have, and I hear his answers. I'm sure that they must have had it because I have had it, and it is this. Jesus, when I hear all of that, you, your promises, what you have done for us, how do I receive it? How do I receive it? How do I get all that you have promised? How do you know what Jesus, you know what Jesus says? He said, you know the way. You know the way. I don't even, I don't even know where, where you're going. How am I supposed to know the way? Isn't that what Philip said? Do you remember Jesus' response? Do you remember what Jesus said? He said, I am the way. Jesus says, I am the way. As a pastor that tells the story of one of his parishioners, she was dying of cancer. And he said that we would often come and visit her and we would try to encourage her to bring her comfort. But we left encouraged. This was a woman that had committed much scripture to her memory. And it had now become her comfort. It had become her comfort, her stay, her strength. And as she would recite these, there was one particular promise. And that's one that comes out of Timothy. It was that passage out of Timothy that says, and she would repeat this one over and over, that says, I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have commended to him against that day. As her life dipped away, as a sun on the western horizon of her past, she could remember only parts of that precious promise. And she would say, I know whom I have believed. Then she would say, I am persuaded. She was slowly uh, forgetting. But it come down to one word. That's all she could repeat. And she said it over and over again. Him. 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 The hymn was all she needed. The hymn was all she had left, and my friends, it was all she needed. It was all she needed was the hymn. Let us pray. Precious Jesus, gracious God, sometimes life gets scary. The news, the neighbors, there are fears that arise in us, and we, frankly, at times, we wonder what to do. Lord, let us know that when life gets scary, what we truly need and what we ultimately need and all we need is Him. Slip your hands if you can say, I'd rather have Jesus than silver and gold. I'd rather have Jesus than anything in this world, than anything this world has to offer. If you have Jesus, friends, you have everything. 
thank you, Father, for your presence in this message. It was your message. It wasn't mine. And I just pray that we would continue to seek you as you have promised in, in the Jeremiah, I think it's twenty nine thirteen that if we will seek you, that we will find you. If we will seek you with all of our heart. And then we can come to have that trust, Father. We can trust you as you have asked us to do. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're going to do for each one here today. We love you. We praise you. We thank you for your presence, the reality of that presence that's been here today in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen.